One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello to the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I am Courtney Eck. And it's Courtney's night. Sure is. It's my night tonight. We have a plenty to talk about. I don't know if you guys um, know this, but a lot is going on in the world, especially Mm -hmm. in the United States of America, but we'll keep that to the end. Tonight, I thought we could all use a survivor story. This story is badass. I mean, it's fucking awful because it's a serial killer, but this is how Lisa McVeigh defeated serial killer Bobby Joe Long. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So on May 13th, 1984 in Tampa, Florida, a couple of boys playing in a park made a horrible discovery when they came across the nude body of a woman and authorities determined that she'd been in that location for around three days. Her hands were tied behind her back, and there was a leash-like rope extending from around her neck. Mm. The most disturbing detail was that the victim's legs were spread out about five feet apart from each other, quote, from heel to heel, which led them to believe that she had been deliberately staged in that position. There were tire tracks found on the scene, so plaster casts were taken, and any other evidence was collected. The woman had been raped and then strangled to death, and the details of the crime led investigators to believe that whoever had killed the victim would likely kill again. The detectives brought in the FBI immediately and also sent evidence to the FBI's crime lab to escalate the investigation to try to catch the killer before he struck again. Analysts were able to recover what looked like a red carpet fiber from some cloth left at the scene and were able to determine the brand of tires that had driven onto the scene and could tell that they had been mounted in reverse, which could be a helpful detail for narrowing down suspects. Hmm. Detectives were also able to determine that their victim was a 20-year-old Loatian woman named Lana Long. Her real name is, I don't know how to pronounce it, everywhere I found called her Lana, but N-G-U-E-N-T-H-I, that's her given name, Um, but she went by Lana Long at that point, and she was a popular exotic dancer in Tampa, and her boyfriend was initially their main suspect, but he was later cleared after they found no evidence to suggest he'd carried out her murder. Two weeks later, on the Sunday before Memorial Day, the nude body of a young woman in her late teens to early 20s was found in an isolated area near an interstate. Just like Lana Long, this woman's hands were bound and she had a rope tied around her neck like a sort of a leash, but the knot was a hangman's noose this time instead of a standard knot. This time, they were able to collect a man's green shirt and some strands of hair that did not belong to the victim. The victim's blood-soaked pantyhose and jumpsuit were draped in a bush near the body, and it was clear that she had fought hard before Mm -hmm. the killer took her life. The attack had been brutal, and she'd been raped, beaten, strangled, and her throat had been cut, all of which, it was determined, caused her death. It's awful. Yep. Investigators took casts of the tires at the scene, which were the same as the tracks near Lana Long's body, and red fibers were also found on the clothes, so it was pretty clear that both murders were carried out by the same person. They were also able to determine that the killer was of a medium stature based on the size of the t-shirt found, and the hairs found were medium brown and came from a white man. 
They also figured out that the killer's vehicle was mid-sized and one of the tires was not in the FBI directory. Three of them were Goodyear. Mm -hmm. The fourth, they were like, we've never seen this before. And so a detective had to be flown to meet with an expert tire manufacturer in Ohio where they determined that the fourth tire on the vehicle was a Vogue brand tire, which was a handmade tire that came standard on Cadillacs at the time. Wow. I know. And I will, we're very critical of law enforcement, but I will say there is some crackerjack fucking work done on this case. I'm going to give credit to Lisa McVeigh for cracking this case, but the mm -hmm. detectives were like fucking on it. Good. Yes. So the second victim was identified as 22-year-old Michelle Sims, who had an arrest record for sex work and had been reported missing the day before her body was found. I will also say, unfortunately, it's one of those cases I couldn't find anything about the victims other than their ages and their occupations, mm -hmm. which I fucking hate that, but I really did dig and I tried, but there was no trial and most of these women were sex workers. And so, and it was 1984. Mm-hmm. So that's how it goes, unfortunately. So it seemed the killer was targeting sex workers. And so detectives got the word out to other sex workers in the area that they could be in danger and then asked them to be in touch if they saw anything strange in coming days and weeks. Unfortunately, on Sunday, June 24th, a third body was found in an orange grove, but this time the body was fully clothed and not bound. So they weren't initially sure if the murder was related to the previous two. They sent her clothing to the FBI crime lab for analysis, just to be sure, but there was a miscommunication and the expert who analyzed the clothes was not the same person who had previously analyzed the fibers of the other two victims. He was also not told to compare his findings to the previous cases and didn't start right away, so there was a bit of a delay in receiving the information. Hmm. The body was so badly decomposed by the time they found it, it only weighed 25 pounds, including oh, the clothing. No. I know. It took a while to identify the victim as 22-year-old Elizabeth Loudenbach, who is described as a, quote, shy assembly line worker who lived with her family and had no criminal history and had never been a sex worker, so she didn't really fall in line with the other victims in that regard. She was known to frequent bars on the Tampa Strip, however, which was where the other victims had worked. So there was a bit of a connection there. Detectives found a note, that, which I don't have any other information on this, but they said they found a note that said to find her boyfriend if anything happened to her. Hmm. Yep. And so he was brought in to take a polygraph test, which he failed, and so became the prime suspect in her murder. Hmm. Three months later, however, the results of the fiber tests finally came back and they had indeed found red fibers that matched the ones found on the first two victims. And so it was determined that she was likely killed by the same person who had murdered Lana Long and Michelle Sims. Wow. Thank God for red fibers. Oh, can you imagine being that guy? I mean, the guy probably mm. wasn't a good guy if his girlfriend was leaving notes that say, if anything happens to me, look at my boyfriend. Right. But that doesn't well. necessarily mean he's a murderer. Right. Authorities continued to follow up on leads, but got no closer to finding the killer. And then three months later, on October 7th, a body was discovered near a ranch, nude with her clothing scattered nearby. She had been raped, but her cause of death was a gunshot instead of strangulation, and she had not been bound like the first two victims. She was also black, and it's not common at all for serial killers to target different races. And so they determined their killer didn't have a consistent M.O., which would make him much harder to find. Bummer. Yeah, I know. She was identified as 18-year-old Chanel Devon Williams, who had recently been released from jail after being arrested for sex work. She had been dead for six days when she was found, and fiber analysis determined she was the victim of the serial killer. Mm -hmm. So just one week later, again on a Sunday, for some reason, all like I think the first five bodies were discovered on a Sunday. Detectives were called when a body was found northeast of Tampa when amateur archaeologists had uncovered a woman's body wrapped in a gold bedspread that had then been tied up with a blue jogging suit. Her ankles and wrists were bound and she had been raped, strangled and beaten to death. 
She was 28-year-old Karen Din's friend, who had a history of drug abuse and sex work, much like the previous victims. And just like the other victims, red carpet vipers were found on her body. Karen was the fifth victim, and detectives still had no leads on suspects, and so the killing continued. Then on Halloween, just two weeks later, a worker who was digging a ditch found a mummified victim that had been dead for around a month, according to the medical examiner. The body was so badly decomposed that it was impossible at that time to determine the victim's identity, but detectives were positive they had been murdered by the same killer having been on five of his crime scenes already. Mm. So the detectives were like, at that point, you can walk up to a crime scene and you're like immediately like, yep, we've got another one, which makes sense. Right. On Sunday, November 4th at 7.30 a.m., a man called Tampa police to report that his 17-year-old daughter, Lisa McVeigh, had been kidnapped and raped, but had escaped. So girl, it's just so good. Good, good job. Good job. Good Get ready. This is such a good job. It is the best job. So Lisa had been on her way home from her job at Krispy Kreme around 2.30 a.m. and was riding her bicycle. A man managed to snatch her off of her bike as she rode by, then threw her into his car and drove off. Once he had her in the car, he reclined her seat so that she couldn't be seen, and while holding her at gunpoint, forced her to remove her clothes. He blindfolded, bound, and gagged her, then brought her to his apartment. Lisa lived with her grandmother and her grandmother's boyfriend, and very unfortunately had been sexually abused by her grandmother's boyfriend, um, as well as threatened with a gun by him for around three years, and so knew from experience how to act to attempt to stay as safe as possible and so complied with her attacker, and meanwhile, she memorized every single detail she could as she was being attacked. Amazing. She said, quote, I figure I've been sexually abused for three years. What's one more time? Oh, my God. But I'm also thinking, if I make it out of this alive, I'll never let anyone do this to me again. Oh, I just got chills. Sometimes, people, you have to save yourself. Yeah. At first, she was able to peek out from under her blindfold and determine that she was in a red Dodge Magnum. She knew they were driving north and paid attention to how long it took to reach their destination, as well as how many steps they took on the way into his apartment. She said, quote, I watched a lot of crime shows. You'd be surprised at the survival skills you have when you're in a position like that. Yes. Right? Fist pump. Fist pump. So he eventually removed her blindfold, and so she was able to see all of her surroundings, as well as the face of the man who had abducted her. Once she was able to see, she knew there was a slim chance he'd let her live, and he held her in his apartment for 24 hours and repeatedly assaulted her throughout that time. At one point, she heard a news report about her own abduction on TV and took the opportunity to plant as many of her fingertips as she could while using his restroom in case she didn't make it out alive. Yes, that's what we're talking about, Lisa. Right? She also made up stories about her life to soften her abductor and told him her father was sick and so she was his only caretaker. She also told him she was 19 and convinced him she could be his secret girlfriend if he wanted She said that he eventually softened to her and started calling her babe instead of bitch at one point. So at the end of the 24 hours, the man told Lisa to take a shower, then gave her clean clothes and made her a sandwich. He then announced that he was going to take her home. And at 4.30 a.m., he blindfolded her, drove to an ATM to get money, and then to a gas station to get gas. And Lisa peeked out from under her blindfold and continued to memorize details as they drove. He then dropped her off behind a local business, told her to wait five minutes before removing her blindfold. I I also heard in an interview with her that he had her kneel down in the parking lot and she was like, okay, this is it. I'm dead. But then he said, wait five minutes before you're removing your blindfold and said, quote, tell your father he's the reason why I didn't kill you. Wow. So her smart thinking and softening him to her fucking work. I cannot believe it. I know. 
There are different accounts of what happened next, and some reports say that once Lisa got home, her grandmother and her boyfriend, the one who had been abusing for her for three years, didn't believe her account and refused to take her to the police. Oh, Lord. I also saw an interview with her that was like, yeah, I got home. They didn't believe me. I saw there, there's something about her father, her adopted father. I couldn't get the full story on that. And like at the beginning of this show that I watched by the FBI about this case, they said her father called the police. So regardless, she managed to get herself to the police and relayed her harrowing story to detectives who were stunned by the incredible details she'd managed to memorize and relay to them. Based on the physical description she gave of her abductor, as well as the red interior of his car, and the fact that she'd been abducted, bound, and raped, detectives had a hunch that she could have had an encounter with the serial killer who was on the loose, and so sent her sweater to the FBI lab for analysis. Once again, good job. Cracker yes. Jack, fucking work. Good hunch. Good for you for fucking listening to this woman right. in the 80s. That's what I was getting ready to say. Mm -hmm. The fact that they believed her in the first place. Yep. And then we're like, okay, emergency, get this shit to the lab. While they waited for the results of the fiber analysis, very unfortunately, another body of a young woman was found on November 6th, 1984. The body was discovered in a vacant lot near a mobile home park on the same road that Chanel Williams's body had been found. The body had decomposed to the point that only the bones remained, but the ligatures and fibers found on the body were the same as the previous victims. Wow. One of the detectives said, like, at that point, they were like glowworms. He's like, if you didn't, if you weren't looking for them, you wouldn't see them. But he was like, they were so obvious to the detectives at that point that it was like immediately they walked up and they could see them. Oh, man. You know, they also found the victim's clothes and jewelry nearby. Despite the severe decomposition, the victim was identified as 18-year-old Virginia Johnson, who lived between Connecticut and Florida, and just like most of the previous victims, made her living as a sex worker. She had left to buy cigarettes three weeks before her body was found and had never returned. Wow. So then on November 12th, a young woman's body was found nude except for her knee-high stockings, and she had ligature marks on her neck, wrists, and arms. She had been brutally beaten and her clothes were scattered near her body and red fibers were found on her clothing. Her driver's license was found in her jeans pocket and she was identified as Kim Marie Swanson, who was a 22-year-old student who made extra money working as an exotic dancer and was last seen leaving a convenience store near her parents' home the day before she was found dead. It appeared that the killer had pulled over and thrown her body from the car and tire impressions were found nearby that, of course, matched the casts made at previous crime scenes. Police were concerned as the killer's pace seemed to be increasing pretty fucking significantly. Mm -hmm. And they were up to eight victims at that point and still didn't have a suspect. Man, that's so many. Yeah. And so quickly. I mean, I think we're like six months in at this point Man. from the time that he started. Yep. Investigators traveled to Atlanta to meet with a detective who had tracked down serial killer Wayne Williams, who had killed 27 before he was caught. While they were meeting with that detective, they received a call from the FBI that the fiber analysis of Lisa McVeigh's clothes had uncovered the same red fibers found on all of the murder victims. Oh I've never had chills about red fibers, but I'm getting them now. It's just like, ugh, ugh. well, and the detectives were like, what? get back to Tampa immediately. Can you imagine? Immediately. No, they were like, fucking jackpot. Finally, yeah. Not only is she his victim, but she is a genius right. and she has insane detail of him and everything Where about him. Where he lives and how many yes. steps it took to get to his house. And like, God, <sighs> she, she is a genius. Fist pump nation is what they where they moved to after that. <laughs> That's where Lisa lives for sure. Yes. They hire by decree Lisa McVeigh, <laughs> king and queen of this pump nation. So detectives flew back to Tampa immediately and formed a massive task force, which they then broke into teams who patrolled all of the neighborhoods in Tampa to look for the killer's apartment and red Dodge Magnum that Lisa had informed them of. 
Lisa also let them know that he'd used an ATM to get cash to buy gas, and so police subpoenaed all of the transaction records for all of the ATMs from the day he let her go. Wow. Yep. I mean, it was 1984, so there's probably three of them. Good point. Good point. But still. Another team got a list of all of the registered Dodge Magnums in the county, which was almost 500 in total. They then compared the bank records to the list of Dodge Magnum owners to look for any names that overlapped. And sure enough, one name popped out at them, Robert Joe Long. Yeah, go to hell, bozo. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they said. That's what they said. You have the right to go to hell, Bozo. <laughs> Bobby Joe Long had withdrawn cash in the early morning hours that Lisa McVeigh had been released and was the registered owner of a red Dodge Magnum. Earlier that day, police had also pulled over a man driving a red Dodge Magnum on Nebraska Avenue, which was the area the killer had been known to find his victims, and they told him they were looking for a robbery suspect when they pulled him over. That man had been Robert Joe Long. Holy shit. He wouldn't let them search his car, but was otherwise cooperative and let them photograph him and make a field report. (laughs) They also contacted the task force who instructed the officers who pulled him over to follow him while they put together a surveillance team to track his movements. Hip, hip, hooray. Yes, surveil him, surveil him, surveil him. Work together, make it happen. Yes. So as fucking Lisa is identifying him, they are already following him. This is how you do it, Seriously, this is movie level shit right here. Yeah, seriously. It's so exciting as I was learning about this case. Like, Like really, has there been a movie made off of her story? Yes, there has a couple. Yep, yep. So I won't go too much into Long's past because fuck him. And I also don't think it's fair that I can't share much information about his victims. But there's plenty information about him. And the main points to his upbringing are that he had Kleinfelter syndrome which causes excessive production of estrogen. And so he had to have a breast reduction at one point in his adolescence. He also suffered pretty severe brain injuries as a child and had a very dysfunctional relationship with his mother, who he claims he shared a bed with until he was 13. So, I mean, it was like five brain injuries. Like one time he fell on a stick which impaled him in the eye another time he fell off of a pony onto his head like he yeah really multiple head injuries yeah yep um there's also a lot of stuff about his like sexual proclivities you know after his like in the hospital Mm -hmm. whatever but basically bad combination Mm -hmm. of things so Detectives put together a photo lineup and presented it to Lisa, who immediately pointed out Bobby Joe Long as the man who had abducted and attacked her. And so nonstop surveillance was ordered while he gathered the warrants. Detectives gathered the warrants and evidence they'd need to make an arrest. It seemed that maybe he was aware he was being watched because he started to make trips to clean out his house and officers followed him and gathered everything he threw away. (laughs) Yeah, he clearly doesn't understand that either like garbage means police get to have it now yes exactly thank you i didn't even need to get a warrant i'm just gonna come get it out of the dumpster you just threw it in they just bring a dumpster out wherever he's dumping it and be like oh this is a nice spot please and he's like okay exactly at one point he vacuumed his car at a public car wash and police seized the vacuum he'd used so once again they're like great All nice and contained for us. Thank you very much. They were able to retrieve every single piece of evidence Long thought he'd discarded during the time they were surveilling him, which was very fast because less than 24 hours after Lisa identified him, police were ready to arrest him and followed him to a movie theater where undercover detectives watched him watch a movie, which is... (laughs) Like, how surreal to be the detective and be like, oh, shit, just got caught up in Top Gun or whatever the fuck you're watching. 
Should we arrest him to, now, boss? No, no, no. We're getting to the good it, part. Exactly. Caddyshack. <laughs> it was 84. It was God. not Top Gun. It was Caddyshack. Yeah. So while detective, I'm dying to know what the movie was that he was watching, but while detectives watched him inside of the theater, other detectives took a look at the tires on his car and sure enough, and the detective, the mainly detective was like, you know, of course we're like, well, holy shit, is this really the guy we think it is? And then he was like, go check the tires and bingo fucking bango. Three of the tires were Goodyear tires, and the fourth was a Vogue brand tire, and they were put on in reverse. And so detectives knew without a doubt that they had their man. They won this one. <laughs> God, that's so amazing. It's so amazing. The order was given to arrest Long, and he was intercepted on his way to his car after he finished the movie. While in custody, Long immediately confessed to abducting and raping Lisa McVeigh and then admitted that he definitely picked up sex workers in Miami and might have solicited sex in the Tampa area as well. Mm -hmm. They talked to him about the murders of the women in the area, and he initially denied any involvement. But while he was being interviewed, an emergency analysis of the fibers of his car was taking place, and it was the wrong car. Just kidding. <laughs> It was the exact same fiber found on every single one of Long's victims. And when confronted with all of the evidence, Long confessed to all of the murders and also said he had a ninth victim, 29-year-old waitress Vicki Elliott. He also helped identify the body that police had found on Halloween, the one they couldn't previously mm -hmm. identify, as 22-year-old Kimberly Hops, who worked under the street name Sugar, and was last seen by her boyfriend getting into a long red car. Mm. In a five and a half hour taped confession of all of his murders, he failed to show any emotion or remorse whatsoever. Police searched his home and found a photo album full of nude women and clothing and jewelry that also belonged to his victims. They also learned that he had raped many women over the years and had been using the classified ads in the local paper to target his victims. He would look for women selling appliances and other items in the classifieds, and if they were home alone when he arrived, he would brutally rape them. God. Throughout the 70s and 80s, he committed more than 50 rapes and was never apprehended. Never? Nope, not once. So with Long in custody on Thanksgiving weekend, a couple came across a skeleton of a young woman as well as several ligatures. Forensics identified the body as belonging to artist Anne Wick, who was 18 years old and engaged to be married when she disappeared. She had been missing for eight months when her remains were found and Long confessed to having killed her too and said that she had been his first of 10 victims. Mm. Detectives suspect that Long probably had more victims than just 10, however. He agreed to a plea deal in exchange for confessing to eight of the 10 murders and the abduction and rape of Lisa McVeigh, and he was sentenced to 26 life sentences without the possibility <laughs> of parole. I thought you were going to say 26 years, and I was like literally going to burn my house down. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Okay. 24 of those were to be concurrent and two to run consecutively to the first 24. Okay. <laughs> and seven life sentences with the possibility of parole after 25 years. You're kidding me. No. But the state retained the option to seek the death penalty for the murder of Michelle Sims. So in July of 1986, Long was found guilty and was sentenced to die in Florida's electric chair. Wow. Yep. After some back and forth with the case, which I don't fully understand, at one point he was ultimately serving. So I think that like they appealed and then came back. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, at one point he was serving one five-year sentence, four 99-year sentences, 28 life sentences, and one death sentence. I mean, okay. <laughs> I know. Like, however you want to slice it up, great. As long as he doesn't get out. No, he was executed by lethal injection on May 23rd, 2019. Wow, 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 wow. Get this. Lisa McVeigh sat in the front row of his execution wearing a t-shirt that said, quote, long, 
dot, 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 overdue. Oh, shit. Oh, it's like so many chills. <laughs> we got the last fucking word. Wow. Yep. Good for her. Yeah, good big for time. Her. Like whatever you need, girl. Yeah. Just, yes. You earned it so hard. You get, you get to put whatever you want on that shirt, and you get to be clever a fuck. God, that's <laughs> incredible. So to end on a positive note, Lisa McVeigh became a police officer and works in the same department that caught Bobby Joe Long and specializes in combating sex crimes and protecting children. God, that's amazing. Does she just like chest bump all of her fellow officers every day? Like, yes. No, she's the king and queen of fist pump nation. Oh, right, I forgot. She walks in the room and they all just boosh, 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 boosh and bow down to her. That boosh sound is all of them pumping both of their yes. fists in the air on her behalf, of course. Uh. She also travels as a motivational speaker, was the subject of a 2018 Lifetime movie, Believe Me, The Abduction of Lisa McVeigh, and was on an episode of I Survived a Serial Killer on yes. a &E. And that, my beautiful darling loves, uh, is the story of how Lisa McVeigh defeated the serial killer Bobby Joe God. Long. So fucking long, Bobby Joe Long. Yes, I love that. I, mean, I hate it. It's so bad, but good for her, man. Yes. Sometimes you got to save yourselves. That is the fucking, that is the theme. That is the mantra. Yes. That is the everything right now. Sometimes you have to save yourself. Yep. And she did. She did and it. you can. Yes. You can fucking do it. Yes. And my heart explodes with grief for the fucking 10 women who were murdered, who had loved ones, who had people who loved them, who we don't get to know anything about them. But I hope they rest in peace knowing that somebody fucking vindicated them. Mm -hmm. Somebody got justice for them and stopped that piece of shit right in his tracks because he would have killed more women had it not been for Lisa McVeigh. Yes. No question, hands down. Making myself teary-eyed, picturing like Lisa McVeigh getting to heaven in fifty years, right? And all of those his other victims like fist pumping her. <laughs> it's really gonna make me cry. I like, know. No, they are. They were right there with her that whole time. Yep. Yep. Good job, girl. Good. Shoo. Yes. Good job. So there you have it. Yeah, man. S terribly sad, and then also like. God, I wish every story was like this story. I wish every single one was like this, you know? I wish that there was swift action, thoughtful fucking detectives, and a female hero yes. who just swooped in and took it all down. I'm sorry she had to go through what she had to to get there, but she did it. She was the she was the woman for the job. Yeah. Good grief. So bravo. Bra fucking bo, Lisa. And everyone else who brought down that piece of shit. All right, I think we should give the people some name time because I'm not going to let those fucking cookie buckies steal my joy. And yeah. then we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. Yeah. Before we do name time, too, I've got good news. Tell which me. Is my four year old got vaccinated today. Fuck yes. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. That's great. Now, lots news. of good stuff is happening right now. And it's always that conflicting, like when yeah. good stuff is happening in your life and then like equally really awful, fucking terrible shit. Yeah. Just remembering to take the good with the bad. You can have both. Yeah. It doesn't cancel each other out. So just a reminder. Yeah. That's exactly God. how I've been feeling. And honestly, you know, then we'll get to name time. I do mm -hmm. think, I do want to encourage everyone to A, get medicated. <laughs> if you feel mm -hmm. like you need it, fucking, this is the time to get medicated. Mm -hmm. time. Um, but two, find your fucking deepest joy, find your deepest beauty and do it. Because mm -hmm. you guys, like mental health, also the, this, the whole point of this fucking planet, the whole point of this place is to do and be beautiful and like, live and love and fucking share and take care and create beautiful things. But I cannot tell you what a difference having this podcast has made in my life. And then all the subsequent things that have come from this podcast, because when I feel desperate or hopeless, I fucking do this. And mm -hmm. 
it's so helpful. And knowing that you guys are here and I'm going to be able to talk to you about it and get feedback from you and et cetera is like endlessly helpful. So thank you for being on the other side, but also whatever that thing is, crocheting, interior mm-hmm. design, get your real estate license, fucking learn how to cut hair, anything. If there is anything that you have been thinking about doing, do it. Now is the time do to do it. We need to put as much positivity and beauty and like productivity in this world as we possibly can. Yes. And also we need mm-hmm. to get all the money because we're going to talk about that too, because we need to have the money so we can keep the money because the money is all they fucking care about. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, it's name time. It's name time. So just a short, sweet, very, very sweet little treat for you guys today. There's uh, (laughs) a, in Austin, Texas, there's Sapna Chitole Fucks Grove Road. (laughs) Which I think sums up a lot about the state of Texas right now. So you say it again. Sapna Chitole Fucks Grove Road. (laughs) There is a toad suck Arkansas. (laughs) I swear to God, I did not intentionally put only put things on this list that are trigger states, (laughs) but we got another one there. Tuck toad suck Arkansas, which is what they can go ahead and do. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, there is an Anna Leggins. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Anna Leggins. Save us. There is Shankster Brothers Septic. You, Sadie Sup found that one. <laughs> Shankster Brothers. I was listening to a podcast and I kept I kept thinking he was saying, My name is Jason Stabber. And I got so excited. <laughs> I was driving and the first second I pulled over to get oh, gas, I like man. looked up that it was Jason Staver or something, but I thought mm, I kept saying he needs Jason to change his name. Stabber. Um so on the Bobby Joe Long case, there was a major Gary Terry who worked on it. <laughs> Watching the show, it's like, and then Major Gary Terry. Like, mm-hmm. 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 The, the case that keeps on giving. And oh, Fanny Weiner. <laughs> <laughs> Murder in the Rain accidentally contributed to name time by posting that on their IG. She was yes. like doing something. She's like, I just got a giggle out of this one, posted it on her IG. And I was like, thank you, Murder in the Rain. Amazing. Yeah. Go listen to them. Yep. And so uh, someone, a listener's parents once worked for a Richard Hertz, but of course he went by Dick Hertz. <laughs> <laughs> They also, if I had a fucking nickel for any time anybody brought up Les McBurney, we would be so rich because it is, I mean, it is outstanding, yes. but they, I didn't realize that Les McBurney was on NPR's radio lab uh, on an episode called Hello, My Name Is, and <laughs> yeah, Les McBurney never put it together for himself. He didn't wow. ever get that he was a fucking <laughs> firefighting lieutenant. With the name wow. Les McBurney. Until Nobody somebody ever. His, well, somebody's fire station immediately got it. But Les <laughs> himself had never figured out the fact that he was a firefighting lieutenant. <laughs> with the name Les McBurney. <laughs> oh, <it makes laughs> Thank you for sharing the backstory. I mean, that I've seen that so many times, that lower third so many times that I was honestly like not convinced it was real. I thought it was just a meme, you know, but it's so funny. I didn't care. No, it's fucking true. So thank you, you guys. Thank you for sapping a Chitole fucks Grove Road. (laughs) (laughs) Toad suck Arkansas. Oh, Oh, my God. I also came up with something I couldn't sleep on Saturday night. And oh, my God, my brain was just flying a billion miles a minute. And just out of the clear blue nowhere came Lord McGod. I was just laying there and I thought, Lord McGod. And I was like, you know what, from now on, moving forward, if I'm referring to beautiful Christians who believe in like Jesus's love and 
like practice that religion as it was intended, mm-hmm. that's, you know, Christians, that's great. You, those are the, the divine, you know, beautiful Christians can be Christians, everybody else who use that religion for power and fucking profit. Mm-hmm. They are worshiping Lord McGod, in my opinion. <laughs> so sure, God. That's right? So yes, 100%. So I was like trademark symbol next to it. Exactly. I was like, yeah. brain stop. And I was like, oh no, that's pretty good brain thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least if you're gonna have midnight thoughts, they better mm-hmm. be good ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my brain was like, Yeah, those are Lord they believe in Lord McGod. <laughs> it was probably God that told me Lord McGod. So probably, you yeah. know, for being honest. Anyway. Um, yeah, the United States is in crisis and Mm -hmm. here we are, everybody here is a weird thing. Here's a weird state of being. And when Trump was elected, I think this is, feels very similar, but Mm -hmm. fucking way worse. I think kind of, I think this is just all, this is the confirmation. Yeah. Yeah, Why we were so afraid when Trump was elected is exactly like it's, it has come to fruition. Yeah. So here we are. And uh, I can't give a lot of advice because I don't think I, I'm educated or um, what's the word uh, when you do things and know things that experienced, it, experienced oh. <laughs> enough to um, give advice and sort of waiting and looking and reading and watching for the advice to come from people who are more seasoned and um, experienced at things like, you know, revolution or whatever this is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has become abundantly clear that the only thing they care about on both sides is fucking money. Mm-hmm. And so I think we all just need to, in the meantime, be very specific about where we put our money. And it's really funny because everybody on TikTok, that's all there's, they're like, we have to suffocate the politicians and we have to suffocate the economy. And then I look on Facebook and of course it's like Kamala's post, like we need you now more than ever, please Mm -hmm. donate $15. And Mm -hmm. I got through about 204 of 433 comments and everything, every single comment was, I'll start giving you money again when you tell me what the fuck you're going to do about all of this. Like I've been giving you money for years and you did nothing you did nothing to stop this and they could have done something i don't want to oversimplify things but they could have done they could have stalled they could have intervened yeah they literally did nothing so i will be giving my money to small organizations who Mm -hmm. can support people who are in crisis right now who can fight on our behalf and i'm really going to be looking for organized action moving forward. Um, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about what is it that I have to offer, you know? Yeah. so I think for people, you know, like I don't have a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't feel like I have a lot of talents do it. I don't know. But what I can do is I can go back and think about like my doula background yep. and offering resources and information and support and an open space for dialogue. And yeah, um, you know, the one of the mornings recently, I went to Ryan and I was like, so when I go to jail in the future, yeah, we're just cool with that, right? And he was like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll be there with you. It'll be fine. And I was like, okay, so, so just figuring out we can't all do everything, right? Right. But what can you do? What is what does your heart sort of lead you to do and yeah. doing those things? So that I've just been thinking a lot about that, like gathering resources and reaching out to people and living in a state that will, I'm sure, very mm-hmm. quickly um, start limiting reproductive rights yep. more than they already have. Just sort of like, what can I do here in this community? Um, and so that just applies to you guys too. I, I think about a lot about the podcast and you know, how to get it so you can reach out to us anonymously and how can Mm -hmm. we help you connect to resources, telling your friends that there are two strange sisters out there that talk about murder that really will help you. Yep. And are, you know, we're, we're willing to um, do what it takes. So, you know, I think that that's going to be quiet and grassroots and also loud and like boycotts and money and like, yeah, 
Maltov cocktails if we have to, but, you know, I think to protect the women that need it the most, mm-hmm. um, just putting, putting ourselves out there and, yep. you know, like I'm just being, I'm very aware of my privilege right now and how can I use that to help those that aren't as privileged. Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, honestly, there's tons of resources currently active that you can still access. So access them. Mm-hmm. Mayday.health is a great one to go to. Yeah. And they'll, they do mental health, they do um, abortion, you know, whatever, they can put you in touch with the people you need. Tons okay. of abortion funds, you know, I think directing people to those things. And then also, yes, absolutely. I have like over a hundred thousand um, airline miles because I didn't fly during the pandemic. If somebody needs a flight, mm-hmm. let me know. I have a couple of houses you can stay in. I'm an hour from Chicago. I I think that we have to get committed to doing whatever it is we need to do to make this fucking stop. Mm-hmm. And also overwhelmingly the message is there are people who do this and know how to do this. And so like letting them lead because otherwise it's just going to get kind of diluted and all over the place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, you don't have to, we don't have to invent a new thing. Like the thing already exists, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, everybody's like, let them lead. And, you know, predominantly it's black women because this is their entire life from the fucking, the moment they were born, they've had to know how to do this shit. So I, and also they, everyone's like, yeah, protests don't really work. Mm -hmm. They didn't care. Like they don't care. They just wait for us to be done. And it shifts the needle slightly. I think corporations are like, okay, we'll put black people on television, but you know, police are still killing black people. You know, it's like ultimately Mm -hmm. doesn't push the needle far enough. And so money is clearly the thing that matters. It's clearly money and power and control. Yeah. And so to get the people that are supposed to fight for us and work for us to fight for us and work for us, it's probably going to require us restricting our money and hitting the corporations that fund them where it fucking hurts. So I also found a spreadsheet that I can post on our link tree on our Instagram. That is a good breakdown of sort of the hierarchy of badness in like pretty much any company you can think of. Like Topo Chico is on there, for example. (laughs) And it's, you know, people who it's, there's all these different categories that she's taken into consideration. And it's Mm -hmm. like, have they, donated to Republicans versus Democrats? Have they, you know, donated to anti-abortion funds, things like that? And so, yeah, just if you're donating, be careful where you're donating. And we need to hold our politicians accountable because right now they're acting like they're on the same team. And I'm not Mm -hmm. convinced that they're not. Right. With a few exceptions. I think that there are people working on our behalf. There are a couple of public servants currently in office, but the vast majority of them are fucking bought and sold. And that has become abundantly clear because otherwise this would not have happened. We still hold the numbers. You know, we are the majority. There are too many of us for this shit to be happening. And that's why Mm -hmm. it's so crazy. Nobody wants this. The Supreme Court has never voted against like public opinion, public you know, they've never taken rights back. They've only ever that too. Them. Yes, mm-hmm. that too. But also, they have always sided with the American public, and currently, they are not. And what do you do with that? Also, very conveniently, happening at the same time that the January sixth fucking mm-hmm. hearings are going mm-hmm. on, which mm-hmm. seems like a real convenient distraction, considering three of those justices were put into office by a president who staged a fucking coup guys <laughs> yeah no this is not isolated events <laughs> y'all <laughs> and one of the justices wife participated mm-hmm. so what do we do what's gonna happen what are we gonna do with this information i think that we can do stuff with this information if we force them to do stuff with this information yeah well, there's really- only a one way forward yeah yep and it sucks because we all want to we all want to live easily it's really mm-hmm. That is that is what people want, period. Some people want control, but most fucking people just want an easy, comf- you know, happy, healthy life. And we do not have access to that in the United States currently. No, nope. really do not officially as of last Friday. So, well, that's going to change. It's weird. It's weird times. Mm-hmm. And um, if anybody wants to uh, come and liberate us... <laughs> <laughs> the crown around 
we have to save ourselves this is a bone we have to pick with ourselves yeah but. yeah and everyone's like oh, i'm gonna leave well good luck because you know what capitalism is a fucking virus that is spread everywhere and you'll still have to pay united states taxes so you're still paying into a system that wants to fucking yeah. fuck you <laughs> yeah and you have to pay off your debts to go to leave yeah so that's cool yeah <laughs> not that i've looked into it or anything <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you guys, it's oh, hang in this there. Is, yeah, this is terrible, but it is. Mm -hmm. I am very heartened by the fact that we have the numbers. And as somebody on TikTok said once, yeah, people in Texas have more, they have all the guns. They have more guns than you could ever imagine. She was like, but they get winded going to the mailbox. So. <laughs> Keeps it just, in perspective. So yeah, yeah, I just think about that. They get winded going to the mailbox, mm -hmm. and then also you got fucking Gen Z doxing the Supreme Court, which I am ninety nine point nine 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 percent against doxing. But listen, mm -hmm. if you knock into my privacy and you want to fucking overturn, take away my rights, I think mm -hmm. it is fair game. And mm -hmm. Gen Z is raring to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I yes. Like TikTok you is equal parts so. terrifying and encouraging. So if you're not on there, I encourage you to get on there because good God, man, the kids are all right. <laughs> uh, we oy, can do oy. this. We can win this. It's a tipping point. Status quo is officially over. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. But in the meantime, there is going to be tremendous suffering and mm -hmm. I hate it. No, me too. So if you need us, we're here. Come and get us. Reach out to us. We got hugs. We got airline miles. We got houses. We got doula fucking experience. And we can also help you find resources that you need. Yep. We got time. Do it. Mm -hmm. Well, and you can also come to our social media. <laughs> I know. It's like... <laughs> then maybe next time you guys know where to find us yeah you know where to find us if you're new welcome yeah we found us at an interesting time but we're gonna be okay one way or another we're gonna be okay or we're gonna be dead and it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> goodbye thanks for listening no we're gonna be just fine we got this yeah. we love you and we love you so much yeah i cannot overstate that enough you guys are you're it you are everything and we love that you're here and that you're the people that you are and continue to be those people and we'll see you next time yeah we'll see you next time bye guys bye seeking the truth never gets old Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.